You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Tomball, Texas. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org. Amen. Well, good morning and happy Easter. Amen. Well, it is good to know that Jesus is alive. And what a time for Jesus to be alive because our world is full of darkness. And our world is full of pain and disappointment and heartache and disaster and violence and racism and abuse and greed. The world is chaos. And on Easter, though, the Easter message is one of anti-chaos, of one of reversed darkness, of one of undone abuse. Because Jesus, his trial and his crucifixion was chaotic. It was an hour of darkness. He went under abuse on Good Friday. But when Jesus walked out of the tomb on Easter morning, he was undoing and defeating the abuse, defeating the darkness, defeating the chaos, defeating death, going from a corpse to a, a risen man, he undid all that darkness, all of that abuse, all of that suffering at the hands of the Romans, and got rid of the disappointment of his friends who thought they had lost their Messiah. They thought he was a goner for good. And as all the chaos is happening around the disciples, and as all the chaos is happening in our lives, the first words that Jesus says to his disciples as they're in the house hiding out, Jesus, the risen Jesus, appears in their room, and he says, peace to you. Not, I can't believe you guys didn't believe in me. Which is what we often think Jesus would say to most of us. But Jesus has a word to us of peace. Peace to you. That's what Easter is all about. There's a way of living in this life and beyond this life that cannot be found anywhere else or in anyone else other than the one that was crucified on Friday taken down from the cross by one of his friends, buried in a borrowed tomb by his followers, but then rose from the dead on Easter Sunday. And that is only Jesus of Nazareth. Born in Bethlehem, raised in Galilee, the Son of God, the King of the universe, a friend of sinners, and the Lord of love. And he changes everything, guys. Who else? I mean, just think about this for a second with me. Who else has two holidays centering on themselves? The Friday of Jesus' death and today, the Resurrection Day, Easter Sunday, this is the most important weekend in in history. And on some level, we, we all know this is true. Some of us came to church today, and, and we don't normally, and I love that you're here. I, I love that either a friend brought you or invited you or, or you found us some, somehow. But have you thought about why? Why out of this Sunday, out of the other ones, why do people come to church that, that normally don't? That there's something about Jesus and this weekend surrounding his death that causes you to change what you normally do. Think with me for a second. People all around the world today, in Dubai, Thailand, Spain, Kenya, Brazil, Australia, they're gathering to remember and to celebrate Jesus and this weekend in history. No one else gets that kind of treatment. 
We have our own special days in our country and holidays around significant leaders. We have President's Day. We have Martin Luther King Day. But no one outside of the USA cares about those days. Chileans don't care about Columbus Day. But Chileans do care about this day. Chileans care about Easter like we do. And not only is Jesus the most unifying, if you think about it, Jesus is the most unifying person in the world, bringing races and countries all together around this weekend. But not only that, think about the age group. You have 10-year-olds and 90-year-olds who care about the same thing. That doesn't happen anywhere else in our culture. No 90-year-olds playing Fortnite this afternoon. <laughs> but there will be people gathered around a table praising Jesus Christ. There will be 10-year-olds and 90-year-olds, 70-year-olds, 20-year-olds eating bread and drinking the cup to celebrate what Jesus has done. Who else can bring Americans and Syrians together? Who else can bring the Japanese and Canadians together? And who else can bring 5-year-olds and 96-year-olds together? Jesus can. And Jesus does. Because he offers us something The risen, that's what I want us to look at today. What the living Jesus can give you. That's today's message. That's today's message every day. What can the living Jesus give you? And it starts with this. If you have your Bibles or if you want to tap to a Bible on your phone, we're at 1 Corinthians 15, but I also have the verses up on the screen. And the first thing that we learn about Easter, that we learn about what the risen Jesus can offer us is this. It is the most important truth in the universe. The most important truth in the universe. And here's where it begins. In 1 Corinthians, this is the book we're going to be in, there's a guy named Paul. And he used to be an attacker, a, a violent oppressor of Christians. He hated them. But then he saw the risen Jesus. The risen Jesus met him while he was on the way to arrest more Christians. And he was converted. He was changed. He, he believed in Christ. And he started a church in the city of Corinth. And he's writing a letter to them, reminding them of the gospel. And he tells them this. You can follow along on the screen. He says, For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Verse 4, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Now, look at verse 3 with me. This is, I, I love this part. Most, look at that phrase, most important. The most important. The Bible is saying to us this morning, here's what is most important. The Bible has, I mean, this is a huge thing. The Bible has 66 books. It was written over a period of thousands of years. The Bible is filled with hundreds of stories. And if you are holding a physical Bible, you know, there are a lot of pages in this book. And here the book is saying, spotlighting, this is what is most important, what is non-ignorable, what is critical, what is vital to understand. What God's saying right here is, don't miss what it's all about. And what is that? That Christ died for our sins. The most important truth in the Bible, and the world, in the history of mankind, of anything that humans will ever write, this is the most important truth, that Jesus died for sinners on the cross. That he died for our sins. So Jesus Christ, 
Messiah. That's what that Christ, that's what that word means. The Son of God, eternal God, who's, who's always existed, who's just as powerful and worthy of worship as God the Father. He came to earth, lived a sinless life, and he was crucified, nailed to this reused Roman cross to pay for our sins. So, so we wouldn't have to. And sinning is when you don't obey God. It's as simple as it is. What God has revealed in his word, when we don't do that, we've sinned and then we deserve judgment. But Jesus came and said, I will die for all of your disobedience. I'll take the judgment so that you don't have to. See, what the truth is telling us is that Jesus didn't die just as a misunderstood teacher. He died on purpose. Jesus said, I came to give my life as a ransom for many. A ransom is a payment when someone's held hostage. Jesus is saying, you are held hostage by your sins. You are held hostage by the demonic powers. And I will set you free with the cost of my blood, with the cost of my life. He took the punishment that we deserve. That's why he says in 1 Corinthians 15, you can see again on verse 3, our, he died for our sins. And you see how welcoming Christianity is? And I get that from that word are. He died for our sins. He didn't die for perfect people's sins. He didn't die for people that deserve it. He didn't die for people's sins who just, you know, only people that grew up in a Christian home, only people that have read the Bible, only people who have their lives together. No, are. And anyone could be an R. Here's what this is showing us about Christianity, friends. Jesus is for sinners. Sinners like me. And sinners like you. That's it. Jesus didn't die for people who are neat and tidy and impressive. Because that's not reality. There are no impressive, truly impressive people in this world. Jesus died for people whose lives are a mess. Jesus died for people whose lives look like my kids' bedrooms. <laughs> Jesus died for people who are at odds with God. Jesus died for people who have totally mismanaged their lives. You know why we love underdog stories and underdog movies like The Sandlot? A group of ragtag, leftover kids playing baseball against an elite team. You ever thought about why underdog stories are so popular? Because deep down, we resonate more with the unimpressive than the impressive. Deep down, when we're honest with ourselves, we identify with those who are forgotten. We identify with those who are left behind. We identify with the helpless and the stuck. And at Easter, the gospel of Jesus looks at us and he says, that's who I love. I haven't forgotten you. I don't need your get it, I don't need your got it togetherness. I don't need your awesome life. You bring me your sins and I will handle the rest. It's like that spot in your neighborhood or when you drive by this one building, it's been a Chinese restaurant, it's been two pizza places and a dry cleaners and a nail salon. Something's just wrong with that spot. It doesn't work. We are that spot. No matter how hard we try, 
We can't fix ourselves. We can't save ourselves. But Easter is saying, Jesus says, I love that broken down spot on the edge of your neighborhood. Because he went to the place of the skull outside of Jerusalem where he would be crucified for our sins. Jesus loves broken down people like me and like you. Because that's what the church is. The church is a place of broken down people. The church is not a museum of people whose lives are together. The church is a, is a garage where cars are on cinder blocks getting put back together. The church, the, the followers of Jesus, we aren't, if you're new with us today, no, we aren't a political action committee. We aren't a club. We aren't a group of people who have learned a holy hobby for the weekends. Do you know what the church is? Do you know who Christians are? We are sinners who believe sins can be paid for by Jesus. Plain and simple. We are all sinners, but we believe sins can be paid for by Jesus. We are weary sinners who believe Jesus will forgive us. And why would God do such a thing? Why would God send his son to die for us, to save us from our sins? Because God proves his own love for us. God wants to demonstrate his great love for you because we don't believe it. And he says, here's a way that I want to show you. God didn't prove, the, the scripture doesn't say that God proved his love for us by creating the world. The scriptures don't say that God proved his love for us by giving us uh, flavor and, and giving us entertainment. No, God proves his love for us. For that while we were yet still sinners, not when you had your life together, while you were still a sinner, Christ died for us. And I, and I love this verse because it's teaching us that behind everything you see in this world, and behind even the things that we cannot see in the ultimate reality, there is a God who overflows with love for us. This is the ultimate reality in which we live. Love literally defines who God is. God's definition of himself is God is love. And over and over again throughout the Old Testament, he says, I am a God who is rich in love abounding in faithful love, abounding in non-flimsy love. We all know what non-flimsy love, we all know what flimsy love is. We've all had friends and relationships and have been dating people and whatever where they, relationships have crumbled because it was flimsy love. But not Jesus. He says, I will love you to the death. I will love you to the end of my life. And then I will love you as I rise from the dead because that's not the end of the story. If Jesus were still dead, this would be a horrible story. Christianity would be lame and horrible and disgusting and would have nothing to offer the world. So what does the living Jesus offer us? Well, look at what it says in verse four. It's not done. What else is the most important truth in the world? Verse four, that he was buried. He really did die. He didn't stay dead, though. And he was raised on the third day. See, friends, amen. On, on that third day, his body booted back up. 
It wasn't this ghostly resurrection as though some kind of, oh, his spirit came out and he's kind of like Casper floating around. No, it wasn't a ghostly resurrection. His body, his, his blood cells, as he laid there as a cold corpse on a slab, his blood cells began to team around again throughout his body. His lungs filled with oxygen again. His neurons and his nervous system began to fire and were operational. To show you, I really did pay for your sins. You really are forgiven. That's why he rose from the dead. He wasn't dying for his sins. He, he doesn't have any. He was paying for yours and for mine, and he really did rise from the, from the dead. This, and Paul says, I want to prove it. Look at what he says next in verse 5. He says, and then he appeared to Cephas. This is Peter. And then to the 12, the rest of the disciples. And then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at once. So, he, so Paul's saying, guys, I want you to really know he really did rise. He appeared to all these people at one time. And some of them are still alive. You can go and talk to them. And they'll tell you Jesus really did rise. So why does this matter? Because if Jesus isn't alive, then he doesn't offer us anything. So what does the risen Jesus offer you? This, is, this would be some of the most important things you may ever hear in your life. What does the risen Jesus offer? Look at verse 17. If Christ has not been raised... Your faith is worthless. You're still in your sins. Those who have fallen asleep in Christ, Christians, they've just perished. It's over. It's done. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. Do you see what he's saying? That if, if Jesus is dead, then Christianity is nothing. Pack it up. It's meaningless. It's a monumental waste of time. If Jesus is a pile of bone dust somewhere in Jerusalem, then Christianity doesn't even belong on the 25-cent table at a garage sale. It's garbage. It's a lie. And he says, we're still in our sins. We're still trapped. We're still stuck. We're still enslaved. We're, we're still unchanged. Verse 18, he says, and think about this. If Jesus hasn't been raised, then all the Christians that we love and family members, those who followed Christ, then they've perished. It's nothing. They've died. They're dirt now. They're just memories. They're worm food. Verse 19, if Christ hasn't been raised, if we put our hope in Christ just for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone. We should be pitied. People should look at us and say, look at those poor Christians. Look at those loser Christians. Just this life? If Jesus hasn't been raised, then it just means Jesus is some kind of pick-me-up, a kind of lucky charm, an inspirational poster in the gym. If he's dead, then he's just someone to help us organize our lives better as we crash into the glacier of death and whatever lies beyond. A still dead Jesus is not good news. No salvation, no forgiveness. But, but as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead. 
The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He means by that, he is the first one off of the assembly line of who else will be raised from the dead. You, if you believe. He's the first fruit, that first harvest. He's like that first apple that's picked and you bite into it and go, that'll work. Saying Jesus is the first one to rise from the dead and to show you this will work. This is the way. Because Christ is alive. So now we can go back in and, re- and reverse all of those things. Since Christ has been raised, Christianity isn't worthless. Your trust in Jesus, if you believe in his cross and if you believe in his empty tomb, it's not a waste of time. It is the most important truth in the world. If, since Christ has been raised, you are no longer in your sins. The sins that you can't believe you've committed. The sins that you haven't even told anyone else about in your life. The sins that when you think about them, you get a pit in your stomach. The risen Lord Jesus says, I can forgive you. And I can set you free from your sins. And he can do that whether you're 10 years old, whether you only have a decade of sinning, or whether you have nine decades of sinning. The Lord Jesus can set you free. He offers you freedom in his risen body. That's what he's showing by his resurrection. All that deadness, all that sin, all that pain, all that hell, I'm leaving it behind and I'm showing you the new life that can be yours. And see, that's why the risen Jesus, he offers us more than hope in this life only. So since Christ has been raised, we don't have hope in this life only. We do have hope in this life, but we have hope beyond this life. He gives us eternal life. He'll give us an existence where there is complete joy, pure joy, love and peace and harmony and happiness. Because when Jesus rose, listen, he broke the algorithm of death. He, this was the ultimate hackathon weekend. When Jesus' body was laid in the tomb, and he came back to life on Sunday, his resurrection rewired the entire universe because something had been done that had never been done before. You've probably saw the most recent picture of the black hole that the scientists discovered. It's a little blurry, I thought, but... (laughs) Jesus' resurrection from the dead set a black hole in the universe, where all of your sins are tumbled in, never to return, where all of your crimes against God, all of your unloving ways to God, all of your unloving and hateful ways to your friends and neighbors and family, all of your drunkenness, all of your pain, all of your promiscuous living, all of those things, the death and resurrection of Christ says, dump it all in there. And it'll be cast as far as the east is from the west. Because darkness isn't the end. Death isn't the final nail in the coffin that we think it is. Because Christ has been raised from the dead. And Christians that have died and gone on before us, they will rise with us at the end of the age. And we will live together forever with Christ. I don't know if you've heard about this game called that Dragon Cancer. It's a video game that was released a couple years ago and has won all kinds of awards. 
And the, the journey of the game is you're, you're a parent in this game and you have a young boy who's been diagnosed with brain cancer and he fights it his whole life. And in the game, you do multiple things. You, you try different kinds of treatments. You get to go on go-kart rides with him. Uh, you, you play with him. You make sandcastles with him. You do all these things with Joel. But the only thing you cannot do in the game is beat cancer. No matter what treatment you pick, no matter what kind of chemo or what options you pick, no matter how you play the game, cancer wins. And you go through all the journeys, you do all the things, and at the end, Joel dies. And it looks like the game's over. But then the game goes all black, and then it says loading. And it takes you to this new level where you're on a boat, and you're going across this really beautiful water, and you see a castle and a city and all these beautiful things. And then as you play as the parent, you walk up, and you see Joel there on a blanket with mounds of pancakes beside him. And he says, you made it. You're here too. You're going to love this place. It's great. The creators of that game are Christians. And they knew cancer was not the final thing for their son, Joel. Because of Christ, they knew there is hope beyond this life. Because Jesus is the one who defeats that dragon sin. Jesus is the one who defeats that dragon cancer. Jesus is the one who defeats that dragon of death and disease and pain. And Jesus is the one who defeats that ancient dragon when he disarmed the rulers and authorities, when he was nailed to the cross, and as he rose again from the dead. And that's what he offers you. Hope in this life and hope beyond this life. So friends, where is your hope? Do you want your sins forgiven? If they have been, then this is a day for us to celebrate and to rejoice that we have the king who has defeated all other rival kings. We have the one who has defeated all other claims to the throne. We have the one who has defeated death itself. The only thing in your life that you cannot defeat, Jesus says, I'll defeat it for you. And I'll give you new life. Friends, Jesus is for sinners, sinners like me, sinners like us. Christianity is for those who've been worn out and brokenhearted and who are embarrassed and who are hiding. But the risen Christ finds you and he invites you to new life. And if you trust in Christ, his death for your sins, his resurrection for your new life, then and only then will you experience the, the full joy of Easter when you admit, I am a sinner. And you confess, but Jesus died for my sins. And you believe that Jesus rose for your new life. Then and only then will you have a truly happy Easter. The eggs are fun. The, the nice clothes are fun. The big meals and everything is fun. But what we need more than anything else is the risen Christ to say to us, peace to you. Peace be with you from now and into eternity. And I hope you'll trust in him today. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org.